Well, hey everyone, my name is Toby and uh, it's great to be with you. Uh, it's Thursday for me right now, uh, but when you hear this, probably it's Sunday or beyond. Uh, and I know just uh, tomorrow for me, Friday, it feels like, at least in Ontario, the world's uh, going to change a little bit as things begin to open up a bit. And that is super exciting. I don't know if you remember this thing called the party mix. Uh, which I guess it sounds like a game, but what I mean is the the random bag of chips, you know, maybe someone, you get together, someone throws down the party mix. And it, it on one hand, it seems like uh, chip manufacturers just simply decide to, you know, like, we'll just throw a little bit of everything. Uh, it's not bad, to be honest. Uh, and if uh, we find ourselves at a party and you, or sorry, if I or Loretta uh, are near this party mix, what you will find in the end, if we get really overzealous and just stick with the party mix, is a, a bag of pretzels. <laughs> because, because pretzels are, of all the things in the mix, pretzels are just, they're just a bit dry, you know, a little salty. I, I, I'm sorry if you love pretzels, but for me, they just don't do it. And uh, why am I telling you this? Oftentimes when we are looking at the Bible and we're going to be uh, teaching out of 1 Peter as we have been for a few weeks now, we find things that are pretzel-like, that we would like to kind of pick and choose around or skim and move over. Uh, and in the nature of the case, as we read through uh, the the letter uh, from Peter. Uh, we're not going to do that. We're not just going to flip through. We're not. We're we're, we're going to actually tackle uh, and, and see what God has for us, uh, even when it is uh, unfavorable, at least on the outside. And and this is because the three topics we're going to cover is slavery, uh, subjection, and suffering. I call it the three bad S words: slavery, subjection, and suffering. And are you thinking this is this is like one sermon? This is the next twenty minutes? Yes, uh, it is. You know, uh, if you are a Christ follower, if you follow Jesus, if you if you caught yourself in one of the in a conversation with someone on any one of these given topics, it would be tough. Slavery, uh, subjection, or being subject, uh, and suffering. Uh, others of you, uh, perhaps you are just still kind of checking this out and you're, you're, you're curious about religion, you're curious about Christianity, you're curious about the idea of a transcendent God and, and perhaps these very topics or the other reasons are, are holding you back. Uh, what the Bible says about slavery uh, and subjection and, and suffering in particular and I, and I want to encourage you to actually lean in because you know if, if in fact what the Bible uh, as the Word of God reveals about Jesus who we claim is the God-man who came to save the world. If that is actually true, if there is actually transcendent truth in Jesus, in the Bible, and in the Christian church, then there has to be things that contradict you. There has to be things that challenge you if it is indeed transcendent truth. So I want you to lean in and uh, I want to invite you to lean in. And uh, the title of the sermon is the upside is down because although uh, what we look at seems to be uh, very, very down, uh, very difficult, uh, there is an upside to it. So we're going to read, uh, we've been in First Peter, we're going to pick it up in chapter 2, uh, verse 18, we're going to read to 21. Servants, actually you know what, we're going to stop right there because that's the first one. Servants, 
the first topic here is slaves and the reversal of God. You see that word servants is actually the word slave. And so it's, it's translated to, to kind of help us a little bit. In other places, it's translated bond servant. But the, the most plain meaning of it is slave. And in this case, uh, first, in Peter uses this word specifically for household slaves. That is, uh, slaves who worked in homes. Uh, in other parts of the New Testament, a word uh, doulos is used as the word servant or slave. Now, uh, slavery in the first century Roman Empire was, uh, in very many ways, different from the slavery we think of uh, in terms of the transatlantic slavery uh, of Africans, just, just in our review, and of course, continues to have impact today. Uh, slavery was not based on race alone. Uh, slaves would often come from conquering lands, which uh, the Romans did a lot of. And actually, in hard times, some people would actually even sell themselves into slavery or sell their children. You know, it was so woven into the fabric of the society, of Roman society, that uh, they actually, slaves looked very similar to Roman citizens. So much so that at one point, the Senate once considered a plan to make them wear special clothing, something to mark out their difference. Uh, but then they thought that is actually a bad idea because then oh, they'll know how many slaves there are uh, in Roman society. Slaves could uh, gain their freedom by purchase, by, by paying off uh, a debt or paying off a price. And in fact, uh, some were freed outright by their owners. And the, the idea of this could be potentially to encourage good behavior. They, they could potentially be free. So there's there's a lot of differences from the slavery uh, just in our rear view mirror as, as Westerners in the 21st century. But slavery in the first century was nonetheless a, a brutal, a degrading institution that saw people as possessions that could be bought and sold. Uh, heads of households, uh, males typically, could do with slaves as they pleased, uh, including physical and sexual abuse. Now, with all this in mind, we're, we're just on <laughs> the word slavery. With all this in mind, we have to acknowledge that the teaching of the New Testament, written, remember, this is written to, into the first century. Peter's writing in, in the 50s, probably 50s or 60s, you know, at the turn of this new century. The teaching of the New Testament does not call for the end of slavery by force or revolt or immediate reform. But but just 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 think about it for a minute. We're talking about the first century. Christians were were relatively very few number, perhaps just numbering in the thousands. They were like just a little blip, a tiny speck in the eyes of the Roman Empire, just just perhaps an offshoot of Judaism. They a kind, the kind of uh, rebellion and revolt simply would not have worked. But the teaching of the New Testament, as it moved forward, would actually eventually lead to the abolishment of slavery. Here's what uh, Rodney Stark, he's a sociologist, uh, historian, he writes, he says this, anti-slavery doctrines began to appear in Christian theology soon after the decline of Rome and were accompanied by the eventual disappearance of slavery in all but the fringes of Christian Europe. 
When Europeans subsequently instituted slavery in the New World, they did so over strenuous papal opposition, opposition, a fact that was conveniently lost from history until recently. Jesus uh, and his teaching, born out of the first century, it would, it would not change it from the outside by force. It, it couldn't have, but covertly, uh, it would, it would in, in, in a sense, infect it subversively. Now, one of these ways to act was actually to reverse and turn over the whole picture of what it means to be slave and what it means to be free. Now, just think here, uh, Peter, he's writing this letter to these churches and Paul and other places, he, they, they are writing and addressing slaves. Why? Because slaves were coming to Jesus. Slaves were coming into the community of Jesus and being welcomed. So Paul uh, very famously wrote, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all in, uh, are, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. When it comes to position, there is no slavery free. There, there's no like, you, you, you come in with certain credentials uh, and then so you sit here and, and, and they come in and they're a different class and, and they're over, no, no, no. In Christ, in Christ, their position, their identity was completely changed. And even when it comes to practice, uh, Paul, he, he writes, uh, addressing slaves again, he writes his letter to the church in Corinth. This is what he writes. He's, he's very practical. He says this, were you a bond servant when you were called? Do not be concerned about it. And he says, he says, no, but if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself to the opportunity. So, so there was the opportunity in the fabric of slavery and in, in the Roman society. But then he continues. He says, for he who was called in the Lord as a bond servant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant or slave of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. What? Paul flips us on our head. He says, are you a slave? Then you are free in Christ. But then he says, are you free? Are you a Roman citizen? Are you a Canadian citizen with all the privileges uh, that come with it? Then you are a slave of Christ. You know, there's uh, this place where uh, Paul writes to uh, the church in Rome. And he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And I've uh, often been puzzled. Uh, if, if it's our spiritual worship, why do we need to give uh, our bodies isn't worship something like singing or uh, paying homage or, uh, I mean, maybe if we are like stacking chairs at church, like that's the kind of worship and maybe that needs our bodies. But you know, the nature of worship and the nature of so many things on the other side, like sin and addiction and seduction and just about everything that in this world that calls us takes all of us. It takes all of our bodies. I think about the uh, heroin ep epidemic uh, over these past years. It is, it's, it's, just, it's, a, it's a chemical substance, but it takes 
our bodies it takes over and it has killed so many think about uh, the attention economy we think about all our streaming services that we have they they are they're not they just don't want our eyeballs they don't want they want our minds they want us to, they want us to sit there and engage for hours and hours and hours whether that's scrolling through a phone or watching on the tv think about pornography or illicit and inappropriate sexual relationships think of work all of this is always calling all of us it is always calling for our bodies and ourselves. So while we, most of us, many of us, actually, to my knowledge, none of us are slaves. We're not slaves in the sense of the first century scenario. We certainly live in a world that has slave-ish tendencies. And it is into this reality that the Bible does not shy away. Instead, it, it, it turns it right around. And it says that Jesus, the God-man, who is the only one worthy of our worship, we are to be slaves to him. You know, last week, uh, Alan Frau uh, was with us. He's uh, He leads a church uh, called Southlands in Southern California. And uh, he, he reminds us of, of the, the, this, the, the week leading up to Jesus dying on the cross you know there's this upper room meal and discourse they're spending these last moments together and there's a fight that breaks out about who's going to be the greatest and jesus he he unrobes he disrobes he 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 wraps it around his waist and he begins to wash their feet he does what the lowliest would do what a slave would do this is the jesus who we are called to worship and be a slave to and ultimately, uh, this is perhaps uh, the best summary of the Jesus whom we worship. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 7, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a slave, a servant. You know, not many of us uh, will be slaves, and thank God for that. But Peter's uh, instruction is still helpful for us, and we're going to move on. Because all of us, while we may not have masters in the, uh, the sense that Peter speaks of here, will be subject to some authority or another. We will have a boss, a supervisor, a teacher, whatever, a parent. And we are, we are all under some kind of authority or person or institution. So we want to look at that because the, the next thing that Peter talks about is subjection. He says, uh, be subject. And so we're looking at subjection and the fear of God. So this, this we're going to continue reading. I mean, I think it just stopped at servants or slaves. But here's what he writes. We're going to read for verse 18 and verse 20. Servants or slaves, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure? This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Be subject. Be subject. Be yes, be subject. This is 
uh, actually an instruction for all believers. We uh, Vic covered this in the verses that Peter wrote before. He, he calls all believers to be subject to human institutions. And now he's applying it to those who are slaves. And he says, with all respect. He says, be subject to your masters with all respect. And that word translated respect is literally fear or uh, the Greek word is phobos, from which we still use, like phobias, fear, with all fear. And the question is, who are we to fear? Is it is Peter saying we need to fear our masters and so or and, and so therefore fear and give respect to our masters? Well, if we do a little detective work, we see in verse 17 it says this just previously, honor everyone, Peter says, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Fear God. And just after what we read in verse 19, actually, he talks about being mindful of God, being conscious of God, having the reality of God pressed on you. And later he says, this is a gracious thing. Doing good and enduring suffering, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. And over and over again, what what Peter is pointing these slaves and what he's pointing us to is having this fear and reality of God so present uh, on us because God is the God who sees. That's what he says, in the sight of God. See, oftentimes we, we, we are in so many situations where we think no one sees. And of course, that's, that's changing in a lot of ways. We have so many uh, cameras. We have cameras obviously on our, on our phones and we more people have dash cams. Uh, uh, this week I saw a video of uh, a road rage incident where, you know, it must have started with someone cutting another person off and, and just yelling through the window. And then it became, you know, rolling or clo- lowering the window and, and, you know, an arm gesture. And then one party decided to smash his car into the other person as they drove away, pushing them into the other, uh, into the intersection. And, and this is the way, this is the world we live in. We live in a world where you you hurt me, I hurt you back more. You slander me, I slander you more. We up and up and up. And there are so many instances, and there will be so many instances, when you can uh, literally and figuratively spit in someone's food and no one's going to know. Or, or maybe it's just that one person where you have that interaction and, 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 and you feel unjust. Perhaps they are your supervisor, your boss, and you're going to find a way to get back at them and, and, and perpetuate this, this kind of this payback. And, and here's what uh, Peter is teaching. Think about these slaves who, these household slaves who would be working for these masters, some good, uh, some unjust, some cruel, some kind. And he's saying, God sees. Every time you do good, in spite of your master, God is seeing. And it will be credit to you. See this word gracious thing. Twice Peter talks about this being a gracious thing. It's, it's, there's a sense of, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, It's a favorable thing. It it will be actually credited uh, to you. And, And it goes both ways. One is for the slaves, it's, it's, you're, you're giving grace to your master, uh, as you obey. Uh, on the other hand, it is, it means that God sees it 
and will credit. God sees it and it is gracious. It's not forgotten. You know, um, I uh, th there's this question that, you know, I'm sure you've been asked. It's this whole like, uh, if a tree falls down in the forest uh, and no one hears it, does it make a sound? And I, I, I've always hated those questions because I guess they're just kind of philosophical ponderings and, and you discuss it. But, but the answer here that we learn from Peter is that yes, because God sees it. Yes, because God hears it. This is the reality that Peter is teaching uh, into. You know, it's funny, last week again, Alan, he talked uh, about this idea of, you know, us being in our Zoom frame, uh, and, but doing all kinds of things all over the place. And I'm, I'm sure you've had that experience. And, and in some ways, we've spent a year being uh, rectangular, you know, avatars, digital avatars uh, of ourselves. But God sees. You know, I was thinking, uh, uh, still thinking about uh, the news of the uh, the children who, the bodies who were discovered at the Kamloops uh, residential residential school, and and you, you you cannot help but think the the priests and nuns and uh, and others, uh, and it certainly it seems like it happened in different locations. These people who were who were put in care of these children forgot that God sees. They, they thought, we can do this and, 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 you know, no one will ever find out. And, and they forgot that God sees. You see, here, here's what, what, what Peter, I think, encourages us with. He's, he's saying, uh, mothers and parents of young children, uh, when you're, uh, you're not just passing the days by, uh, with your child, every act of kindness and service and cleanup that you do is a gracious, beautiful act. God sees this. Are you an employee and, and, and you haven't cut corners and you've showed up and you've showed out and throughout this whole year, God sees this. Are you a business owner who you've, you've literally gone the extra mile uh, for your client who doesn't see it, who doesn't acknowledge, who doesn't appreciate it? God sees you. God sees us. God sees it all. And, and, and it is uh, going to completely change the way we act. It, it, it did. It must have for these slaves. The upside is down. Uh, slaves, the reversal of God, subjection, and the fear of God. Last one, look at suffering. Suffering and the calling of God. Uh, verse 20 and then verse 21 says this, but if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. You know, many uh, a believer and non-believer alike. We look at suffering. We look at suffering in this world. We uh, think about the uh, experience and, and perhaps deep personal suffering. And we conclude there couldn't be a God. There, there must not be a God. And Peter, he's remember, he's writing to slaves, bond servants, household slaves 
who could be slaves uh, their whole lives, perhaps. People who surely, surely have suffered unjustly. And Peter says, no, it has not gone unnoticed. And, he, and no, it is not without a purpose. Uh, yes, he, I am in control. And I've called you to this. I've, I have intention for you, I have a plan for you, a purpose for you. In this suffering, it won't be wasted. To this, you have been called. Did you catch that? For to this, you have been called. There is a caller. There is someone calling you. Uh, just imagine. Just imagine with me for a moment. Uh, there is a package left outside your door. If you're uh, listening to this on Sunday, it's like service ends. It's like 1130. There is a package left outside your door. It has your name written on it by hand. And you open it and it is the most beautiful, fragrant, smelling, just delicious looking meal you've ever seen and laid eyes on in your life. It's actually everything you love and more, only cooked to perfection. You are stunned, you're shocked. Uh, it's, it's not Uber Eats, it's not DoorDash, you, know, you don't know what this is. There's no uh, sign left on it in terms of who it is or, or even why it is. It's not your birthday, it's not a special occasion. Uh, you only know it's for you. And you call around, you call your closest friends and family, you say, what, what's going on here? And, and no one knows anything. No one has taken credit for it. See, what would you conclude? Would you uh, conclude that this, I guess this happened by chance because I can't figure out why and I don't know exactly who? That it was just somehow, a, I guess it was a coincidence. I guess the world and the universe collided and uh, this is what arrived at my door. Something completely made for me with my name on it. I, I don't think so. We, we wouldn't conclude, well, there's, I guess it was just by chance. And I think many of us make that mistake when we look at our lives, both uh, regarding the good and especially the bad and the suffering. We think this could not be the work of someone. And so we conclude it is uh, just a random act of the universe and nothing more. We shake our fist, the God who apparently doesn't exist. And I think we are left more empty. If anyone had reason to shake their fist at God, it would be slaves. Why this fate? Why this life? And many of us with far greater material possession, uh, personal freedoms, far greater, we ask the same question, why God? And, and, and we, we, we don't know the full story. We don't. We don't know the full story. But here's what we do know. He's calling us and he's helping us to identify with and know Jesus. Did you catch that? It says, for this you have been called because Christ, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his footsteps. You know, we, we don't know our full story. We don't know the end, but we do know his. He, Jesus, who was great, became a slave. He, Jesus, who only did good, he only healed, he only brought the people who were fringes of society close, he endured suffering. 
and he who was the most in the most creative and explosive and intimate relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. He, Jesus, found himself on the cross and he called out and there was no answer. When we look at Jesus, when we in a way, when we suffer and, and, and come to know him more through suffering for doing good, we get to know a little bit more of the story. This is how uh, Tim Keller, uh, a pastor in New York, he's, this is how he summarizes it. Our bad things will turn out for good. Our good things can never be taken away from us. And the best things are yet to come. This is the teaching of the Bible uh, of the New Testament, and I think the teaching that we see here in First Peter. The upside is down. It's down by humbling ourselves to be slaves of the Master Jesus. It's down by fearing a God above all human institutions. It's down by suffering for good, becoming more and more like Jesus. Uh, in a few moments, I'm going to hand over to, to Ryan to send us off. Uh, but before that, you know, I, I was, as I was preparing for this and just thinking about, about those of you City Gators uh, in particular who are listening, and, and I know some of you have endured suffering for doing good. And, and I think it'd be great as we gather in our uh, community groups. Uh, many of our community groups are, are looking to meet in, per in person because we can and outside. And as the, as the warm weather comes, it'd be great for you to join a community group. Uh, and just to testify that when everything looked like it was against you and you continued to uh, do good, whether that was uh, not return or pay back wrong in words or in deed or in action, in some cases, there is already, I know already stories of God vindicating you, of God turning that, that situation around. You've already seen it enacted in your life. But I'm sure for others, um, perhaps especially those of you uh, who have suffered greatly, especially those who are asking why, uh, this is a hard thing. But, but Jesus, he's calling you. God, he's, he's, he's calling us to this. The upside is down there. Yes, there is so much suffering. Yes, there's so much we, we don't yet all fully comprehend and know, but we know that there is a maker. We know that there is a God who understands 100% what it means to suffer in doing good. Uh, I'm going to end with a song I've come across. Uh, it's written by the future of forestry. It's a song called Tears. Uh, and I think uh, it is a comfort and encouragement uh, to us who find ourselves in a place we uh, don't want to be uh, and looking to trust God in light of it. I was there when you looked up into the night, looking far beyond the stars and asking why. I know you thought you were alone when you fell into the unknown. And all the while, my love, you were a child of mine. I was with you when you couldn't hear my voice. I was hurting when you didn't have a choice. It felt like ashes in the rain. I saw you strong. You bore the pain. All the while, my love, you were a child of mine. Let me wipe your tears away. Let me turn your night to day. When the world comes crashing, down, down, 
down. Let me wipe your tears away. 